Well, hi there, everyone. This is Denise Oyston from the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. And today's podcast is a guest interview. And this interview is with one of our clients. And um, the clients in question are Resource On Demand. And that is Lee and Teresa Durrant, who are the founders of a technology recruitment company based in the south of England. And in fact, they were the first uh, designated Salesforce recruiter uh, based in the UK. And I've, in fact, I think in, in Europe. Now, today's podcast, I think you'll find particularly interesting because they share their growth journey over the last 10 years. Um, some of the things that have worked really well, maybe some things that haven't worked quite as well. They also share some insight into working together to build a real values-based culture, how marketing fits into everything they do. And um, for those of you who might be partners in business, as in uh, husband and wife partners or husband and husband, wife and wife partners. Um, I think you'll find it particularly interesting, some of their insights about how they work together in that context too. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Recruitment Marketing and Sales Podcast. An obsessive focus on marketing and sales is the only way to accelerate your agency growth. So listen in now as we share the latest strategies and techniques guaranteed to deliver you more placements and profit. Hi everyone, I am delighted to welcome Lee and Teresa Durant, the co-founders of Resource On Demand. Now, many of you may not know this, but Resource On Demand um, were the UK and Europe's first specialist Salesforce recruiters. So welcome, Lee and Teresa. Hello. Hello. Um, now, I thought it would be good um, to, I know, I know I know your story and, and lots about yourselves and Resource On Demand, but perhaps let's just start for the listeners um, if I could ask you to just give a little bit um, of background to yourselves, you know, how Resource On Demand came about and a little bit of that, that story, because this year is a special year that we will come on to later, I understand. Um, I'll, I'll probably let Lee go with this one. Um, yes. Okay. Well, well, firstly, Sharon, thanks very much for having us on. It's, um, it's a pleasure. And uh, uh, hopefully we do your podcast justice. But yeah, thanks very much for this. Um, so how deep, how far back do you want me to go? Well, just how did, how did Resource On Demand um, start? Okay. Well, so we um, were recruiting back in the credit crunch as another, as another entity, if you like, in another, in another industry completely. I mean, it's still IT, but it was a completely different industry. And 2007, 2008, that industry just seemed to grind to a halt, uh, along with, I'm sure, a load of others. So we were scrapping around as recruiters, just trying to find um, any way of trying to make some money, you know. Um, it, was, it was quite a telling, uh, quite a trying, sorry, time. Um, and kind of fell into Salesforce initially because it was the one area where there seemed to be vacancies. I'd never heard of it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what cloud computing was. Um, and I, it, there was no plan at that point to become a specialist in it. Mm. I just happened to start getting vacancies uh, for this new shiny thing that, uh, that, that where, where there seemed to be more um, opportunities than people. Um, and one thing led to another. Before you knew it, we realised that actually this could there could be some growth here. This could be a nice niche that that um, you know no one else is doing. And this was this was a long time ago. Now it seems. And so we thought, right, okay, a bit of a, um, a refresher, rebrand, and, and resource on demand was was born as as the first UK and I think it turned out to be Europe's first recruitment company that solely existed to recruit for the Salesforce ecosystem. Um, yeah, so that's how it started. Was that the question? Yeah, no, I mean, and it's it's an ecosystem that's just grown and grown and grown, isn't hasn't it over over recent years? So, so just just very briefly, you know, what what's been the journey that that Rod, as you are affectionately known, but resource and demand have, have gone through over that time? Well, I think for us, when we first started out, it was very much a lifestyle business um you know we wanted the, the three like freedom to kind of pick and choose your hours but i think because of the time that we set up and the market was so buoyant um it kind of 
suddenly turned not into a lifestyle and actually we were working much longer hours um, you know trying to service the customers that were coming on board and they were coming on board at a rate of knots at the time and it was sort of just the two of us mm. so uh, probably about four years after we set up we started to then look to recruit we were those people that were sort of holed up in a hotel somewhere um, mm. trying to get the job done and and it just you know the business has grown organically since then so we only ever recruit as and when we have the demand um and you know we've just sort of grown steadily over those last um well over the time that we've been in business we've just grown quite steadily at a nice pace um it's become paramount for us and you know salesforce salesforce being the sort of multi-billion dollar industry that it is um for them it's always been about their customer engagement and we've kind of in a way taken on board that ethos so we've tried to set ourselves apart from i suppose the typical recruitment industry that people might be aware of and it for us it's always been about our clients and their candidates and the journey that they go on in in respect of finding jobs yeah. and i think in, in in some ways we've we've kind of gone on that journey with the company because we've as you do you grow as people and you know it become less about chasing the pound and more about actually delivering a really good quality service and I think that's probably what set us apart um, from probably most of our competitors yeah and I mean and, and over the time I imagine that there there have been many lessons um, as there always are when you're when you're growing a business but you know what what would you say perhaps to some of the the big lessons or the key lessons that that have made the biggest impact you know when when you've when i guess when you reflect back um, well i mean it sounds like i'm repeating what Tracy said but um it, and we'll do a lot of that probably won't we in the next <laughs> in the next half hour or so um it's interesting because when we started one of the lessons was almost if you're if you're going to do this you don't need to necessarily have the end game in mind. Um, and so, like Teresa said, we started thinking, yeah, get the lifestyle business. We can work when we want, where we want, make a bit of money, everything will be great. But then you get to a point where you, there's a tipping point of it's no longer a lifestyle business. You're working 14 hours a day, every day, and it's, it's, it's just taken over your life. And that, that's the point where you need to go, oh, man, do, do, we, do we actually need to make this a real business and recruit people for ourselves and go from there? So that was, a, that was a quite a... Uh, difficult decision in the early days is what kind of business do we want this to be and I think then when we decided to recruit people then you've got to think about okay what kind of what kind of culture do we want the business to be do we want to be like the the typical Wolf of Wall Street London type of office and I'll be honest that's a mistake we made because we did go for that option initially Um, and we've completely changed that over the years uh, to actually no we don't want that Um, so that was Challenge number one probably was what kind of company is this? What kind of and what kind of recruiters do we want to be? I think you had some more points. Yeah, I mean, from a different angle. I mean, I come from a I suppose property management background. I was used to managing people, but I'd never run a business. I'd never been responsible for P and L. Um, even the stats and uh, figures and ratios and KPIs and all the things that you're meant to track as a business frighten the life out of us. Um, and Lee come from a typical recruitment business. Again, he'd managed a, a team of people, but he'd never run a business. And it's almost like overnight, people are looking at you, expecting you to know what to do. And sometimes you have to be able to put your hand up and say, do you know what? I don't know. I'm slightly out of my depth here. Mm-hmm. What I'll do is I'll, I'll go and do the research. I'll go and find the answers. So I think as business owners, you kind of you're stuck in this headspace that you think I have to know everything because you've got all of these pairs of eyes, you've got mouths depending on you. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to learn the hard way how to make decisions, good decisions, but make them quickly. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the answer, be prepared to go off and find the expert who does know the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. You know, when you're, you know, you're used to being at the top of your game, suddenly you're feeling really out of your depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we come through it. I mean, thankfully, we're, we're a pretty good team. We bounce off of one another. We're always communita- communicating and talking about ideas. And um, when we need to, we make sure we pull the team in and, you know, bring all, all the heads together so we can all come up with decisions and the best course of action. So it does actually get a lot easier as you go through the journey. But certainly, you know, in the beginning, 
it was hard because it is just the two of you and if you don't agree where well, you kind of like at the stalemate so another lesson is compromise <laughs> you have to have to learn to compromise um, we also yeah, one of the one of the most challenging things even today i think is knowing when to work in the business and when to work on the business which is something um as me being the recruiter if you like i i I've, I've been, it's taken me a long time to realise what I enjoy doing and what I don't like doing and, and what you what you feel like you should be doing as a business owner. You know, I'm sure we're going to get onto that with topics about marketing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow, the reason we have a recruitment company is because we're good at recruitment, and, and you can get distracted with everything else that you think you should be doing, sitting in an office on your own, looking at P and L and all that sort of stuff. Oh man, I mean, for me, that's horrible. Um, so it's almost understanding what you, what are you good at. Um, what do you like doing? What makes you bounce out of bed in the morning, you know, with with excitement, and and, and maybe recruit for the rest of it, or outsource the rest of it? Um, that's I wouldn't say it's a challenge. But that's something that we, it took us a long time to get our head around that. Yeah. What was the um, the phrase that we used for you? Was the, the major bottleneck? Because that sounds a bit harsh on Teresa, but because she was everything else apart from recruitment, it, it then became difficult to let go of some of those things, didn't it? Um, you just think if you let go the plate's going to stop spinning so actually being able to put faith that other people could do that job just as well as you that you know that was a big challenge but we got there and now um, i now i just sit around and do literally nothing yeah (laughs) you must know that sharon because you guys have got your own company there so you must have you know do you i mean a big deal for a big deal for twitter was was us getting a cleaner which sounds ridiculous but we used to go out to do ourselves um, you know, and, and as a business owner, you sort of do that, don't you? But and this was a long time ago now, obviously. But yeah. you, you getting a cleaner just seemed like some, an expense you didn't need to, to pay for. No. What's it like for you guys? Um, well, I, I think I think that that is absolutely one of the challenges, isn't it? As business owners, is is recognizing and learning. And it actually was one of the questions I wanted to come on to. It's recognizing and learning. You know, um, as business partners, you know, what are your respective strengths? play to those strengths and yes you know i suppose in the early days there are things that you take on and at some point you know that if you really to grow and scale that you know it, it can't continue to be you doing some of the things that you're doing and you it's like you were saying Teresa, you have to begin to trust that actually other people not only could do things perhaps as well as you think you can but actually, you realise that if I employ somebody who could actually do some of these things even better, that the business is, is only going to benefit from that. And there's that leap of faith and that element of trust, isn't there? That actually, the sooner that we start to employ people that are better at doing the things that we've been doing because they need doing rather than they are one of our strengths. I think that's one of the big things, isn't it? And once you make that leap, though, and realise that actually when you employ people who are really, really good at things, think, God, why didn't we do that sooner? Yeah, I know. You actually feel like you're kicking yourself because you've suddenly yes. realised you're probably behind where you should have been. But again, yeah. you know, as long as you're learning from that yeah. experience. Yeah. Now, what, while we... I- are we talking about about this um i want to come back and talk to you about about the culture that you've built but before before i do as we're on this subject um i mean you know you guys have worked together now for you know a number a number of years you've founded this business together and you know you're married um and so that's not unusual actually in the industry you know we've got clients you know where again there's you know a husband and wife team you know the head of a company um now i imagine and you know you've alluded to that a little bit in terms it's got to be compromised and sometimes you don't agree so there's a bit of a stalemate but um how how have you made it work and you know what words of wisdom might you have for for other businesses where we've got you know um a couple at the head of that business yeah i mean i suppose in some respects it it may have been a little bit easier for us because as i said we come from completely different backgrounds so lee was the recruiter i just happened to be quite handy at most other things so i knew a bit about hr um, I knew a little bit about CRM systems. Um, I can't say that I knew anything about marketing, but I learned within the first few years, you know, how to write an okay blog. 
Um, so for us, we've, we've kind of always had separate roles in that respect. But one thing we, we kind of realised as we started to recruit, because people would, they, they wouldn't necessarily know who to go to regarding a decision. Right. So we kind of defined our roles fairly early on. So people knew that if it was a question about recruitment, how to do recruitment, how to, I don't know, speak to clients or negotiate with clients, um, then they would always go to Lee and that would, you know, and Lee's decision on that would be kind of final. When it came about everything else, so anything to do with, um, you know, can, can we change the IT system or uh, can we have a, a, I don't know, a, a budget for client entertainment and stuff like that, then people would come to me and my decision would be final on that. Yes. So ensure that we weren't undermining one another. Yes. Um, so we had very, very clear roles about what decisions we were going to be making. Anything else that didn't fit within those, it would always be, well, we'll go away, we'll have a chat together and we'll come up with a solution together. Yes. Um, and then one of the things we did do as soon as we were, sort of reasonably able to was to get ourselves a sales manager because actually that person now acts as like the in, in between it between employees and team members and ourselves so there is also now a very impartial person who can make some decisions and, and they've got the responsibility to make decisions within the team so we tried to put that into place fairly quickly um it took a little while to get the right person, I must admit. We did, we did take someone on. We got it wrong the first time round because they didn't quite fit into the culture that we were trying to um, nurture. But once we got the right person, we can trust that even if we're out of the business or you know we're in the business, people know where to go. They know where to get the answers. Yeah. And that also means that Lee and I can have a little bit of a breathing space as well. Yeah. I would uh, second the mummy-daddy complex thing that I'm sure other companies that are founded by husband and wives must have that same issue where they, yeah, they'll, 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 go and ask, they'll go and ask Teresa, then they'll come and ask me, or they'll go and ask me, and they'll go and ask Teresa. So and it, and it's always, I mean, my default is, what did Teresa say? Because you want to know, you want to make sure that they're not trying to play you off against each other. But like Teresa said, eventually we worked through that and just, just defined our roles so that if it was nothing to do with recruitment, then I would just defer to Teresa. And the other way around, really. Um, the other thing, am I allowed to swear, Sharon, or is that not um, appropriate? Um, depends what we're thinking of using. Oh, jeez. No, it's not going to be that bad. We have this sort of saying, um, in terms of being a married couple, that drive into work together. Um, we, we, have, we make sure we shake our shit off at the door when we get to work so that if we're having a barney about something in the car and at home, the minute we walk into the office, it's, it's forgotten about. Yeah. Um, me being a man, it's forgotten about forever. Teresa being, you know, very, very good at memory. She remembers the minute we leave, we go back home, and then we're, we are going to get that again. But you know, that's that's quite something we've got very good at over the years, isn't it? I think it's yeah. just practicing. The minute we're at work, we are work people, um, yes. and um, it's not easy to do that. But we managed to to, to do that. Um, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. No, no. I mean, you. I mean, in fact, it's probably been a good thing for our marriage because if we have niggles, um, you kind of forget about it as the day moves on. You get into your daily routine and that's the end of it, really. Um, I would say one of the other challenges over the years has been when to split off. So whilst Lee nicely put you, you leave your poop at the door. Um, when you leave work, you equally have to learn to switch off. And I think... Uh, that's really, really difficult to do because obviously any any issues and problems because you're getting on with your day job at work. If, I suppose most couples when they come in, it's like, "How's your day, dear?" Well, yes. we know because we were both there. Mm. So your your conversations um, are play out a little bit differently, um, I suppose, to most relationships where you're not working together. Um, and when you go on holiday, you know, there's the danger of taking work with you on holiday. So mm. I think for one of the one of the things we did quite early on was to say, well, we have to have some boundaries. Now, it's impossible to switch off from work completely yeah. when you're in a business. That's, that's life. Yeah. Um, but we have like what we call golden hours when we're away on holiday, for example. It's, it's okay to be online, but after a certain time during the day, you have to switch off. Yeah. Go back to your emails the following day. You can pick up with stuff. But once you get to sort of like the afternoon, it, it's all about personal because, you know, you need to – 
keep connecting as husband and wife. Uh, you don't want to get to sort of six, seven years down the line and you're just feeling like colleagues. Um, you have to remember why you're together in the first place. So it, it is really, really important to have um, those golden times where you just say, no, it, it's, it's all about us now. It's not about the business. It's not about the people in the business. Yes. No, I you find the couple by what you do as well, so that you know, and that's difficult to to shake off as well. Sometimes it's um, you know, Lee and Teresa. You know, you know, Lee and Teresa, that workaholic couple that own that business, and that that's it. That's all. That's all you're known as. Um, so it's kind of trying to remember that you have an outside life as well, especially for us too, because we don't have kids or anything. So it can become very. Yeah. It's, it's the one thing that consumes you. Um, yeah. I completely, I can completely relate to that. I think you, you definitely, you know, and and even if it's, um, you know, you know, business partners who've been, you know, close friends and, and business partners for a number of years, you know, <clears throat> who do socialise together. <clears throat> excuse me. I think you know sometimes the danger in those kind of like relationships that that work encroaches on that social time as well. So boundaries are, are really good for everybody to to consider and and, and have in place. Um, so just just going back though to you you talked about um i guess the ethos and the philosophy that you recognize that salesforce had and that you wanted to bring that into your business as as a way of differentiating um you know resource on demand and the kind of service and and business that it was so just maybe sort of share with us a little you know a little bit more about the culture that you've built and perhaps you know a couple of you know, key key points, I guess, that have have really helped you shape that culture. That perhaps you know people can take away um, as as good bits of advice. So, the um, it's, it's it sounds like a negative way of putting it, but when we first started, I I kind of knew what I didn't want us to be like. Um, having grown up in a, a rather cutthroat. Um, uh, recruitment company where you know your 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 the guy sitting next to you who was your work colleague was also really basically your competitor um and there, there was no sharing of of uh, information really so you might you may as well have just been on your own um so i thought well I, I did, whilst i did all right in that environment i didn't want us to be like that yeah and you know that trying to make everything very um collaborative is is a great um you know it, it, it's got a good um the sentiment is right, but it's sometimes when you're recruiting for salespeople, who, the, 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 it sometimes doesn't work. So we've been through a few sort of variations of how do we how do we do that? How do you, how do you share um, information in a in an environment where, to this day, recruitment is very much about you know making placements and, and, and the salespeople getting their bonuses and commissions off the back of that. Um, so that but that's something we've worked out over the years with the help of uh, external coaches as well as just thrashing it out between us. Um, we then decided, like I said earlier on, to, to whilst we accidentally went down the road of trying to build this more for Wall Street culture, we, we, we just decided that actually, no, that's not for us. Um, recruitment has become such a uh, an online thing as well these days. So I had this used to have this issue where, I, you know, why aren't people on the phone? Why isn't there, a, I mean, this, you know, everyone standing up on the phone, being buzzy, doing deals kind of environment? I think there's an awful lot of... Um, recruitment now where it is just um you know get, engaging with people online engaging with them on whatever platform your niche market exists on uh, or hangs out in or whatever the term is um so it's okay if the office isn't a buzz with people on the phone as long as they're actually getting on with stuff um i've kind of gotten over that as i say growing up in the environment where it was all getting the phone and um i think i've overcome that a little bit yeah, and, and we did a, an exercise going back a, a, a few years back now was about looking at the values that were important to us, yeah. and but also within the team. And we, we kind of did it as a, quite a fun team exercise. And, um, you know, at one point we had people running all over the office putting post-it notes everywhere. Um, but we, we just wanted to understand what were the values, what were the shared values that were inside the company, because half the chance are if, if those values exist within our company they'll also exist within our candidates and the clients that we're talking to and it was really kind of in a way getting into the psyche of what we were all about yes. and it's become really apparent that people enjoyed working with us because of the I suppose the family which 
let's face it, we're husband and wife, so automatically you have that family feel. Mm. But it was about taking care of people. It was about having integrity and loyalty. It was about respect more than anything else, about respecting the people that you're dealing with, respecting one another and so on. And that exercise alone actually started to highlight the kind of culture that we wanted to be. So in some respects, that's helped us to identify the right kind of people. All of our adverts, when we're advertising for you know for new members of, of staff, mm. those adverts include the words that we would consider to be our core values. And of course, that will then entice the right kind of people because they're, they're sort of reading it thinking, actually, that 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 feels good to me because that feels like the kind of company I'd want to work for. So over the over time, actually recruiting for people that are that that have similar you know values around a culture has been really really easy yeah. because we know what our culture is. We we hire people that have a similar um, set of values to us, and the, the culture just in a way built itself. Yeah. Um, so we've got a, a great team out there now and. We actually, funny enough, I think beginning of this last week, we've just taken a, a couple of new employees on. And we just said, you know, it feels amazing out there, um, you know, out on the south floor, um, you know, the way the people are working together, the way they're interacting together. And the culture's in a way, is just taking care of itself. And it just feels amazing. It feels like such a great team out there. So, yeah, it, it's been a bit of a journey, but we now feel that, we are definitely on the right track and it feels like the company that we when we first sat down and, and thought about setting up it feels like that company yeah. that's what you just described there with two new employees coming in that that really is proof of the pudding i think isn't it that you know those people have slotted in and everybody you know is is working with them yeah, yeah well, you, almost, it's brilliant <laughs> the, the industry we recruit for the tech world um when you're speaking to candidates and they'll say things like, oh, what's the culture at this business? I used to say things like, oh, it's brilliant because they've got a foosball table, because they've got bean bags. Um, and actually, when I think about our culture, it's not about the furniture you've got. Um, it's, it's just about the people that are there and, and how you react, how you deal with those people, how you interact with those people. And also that's that's internally with your employees, but also externally with your, uh, your customers. Um, so that's now a harder question to answer when a, client, a candidate asks me that about a client. Unless I've been there and I've seen how they do that, the answer's quite difficult now. But, yeah, I used to think that. And we went through we, – well, we actually do have bean bags. But um, we had a phase of thinking it had to be like that, but the, to copy that tech. Don't worry about looking smart. Come in dressed in whatever you want. Um, yeah, let's play ping pong. Let's go to the pub every day. You know, And it, some, those things can be nice, but if that ends up being – you know, just a day-to-day thing. It's, it's not, I don't think that's culture anymore. I don't. No, I think like I'm going mad. No, but, um, I think I, they're often hygiene factors, aren't they? That they're like comfort factors, um, and yet, um, you know, a building and a pool table and a table tennis table that they, they don't make a business and a culture. It's it's the people in it. And as you say, Teresa, that the kind of values and what's important to those people and how those people gel together with those common uh, values and what's important to them, that's what makes a culture, isn't it? And that's what I think you've described, Teresa, with you know having two new people come in and seeing how that's worked. That's, that's your litmus test, I guess, that what you've created is absolutely, you know, it's the, the team are almost like... Um, living and breathing that culture and so i imagine you and me can just sit on the sidelines and you can see it's just working now without your yeah absolutely and i think you know we we make um you know our core team you know everybody really is the core team but there are you know sort of certain few people within the business that have been with us a long time who have gone with us on that journey and are absolutely on the same page so when we're interviewing people for us it's really important that those people are being you know are part of the interview process Mm. and if any one of us has a a feeling about you know in a good way or sometimes in a you know bad way we don't think that person quite fit in um we want to make sure that we're giving them the voice that platform to be able to turn around and say 
I like the person, but here's why I think they might not be able to gel with the team. Because what we want to do is we want to make the onboarding to be a really pleasant experience. I mean, it's bad enough coming into a new job and thinking, I know nothing. Yeah. And you're in that scary zone of, oh, my God, I, I, I really do not know anything. Um, they don't have to, you know, we don't have to make it harder for them by then having to make it really difficult to make friends and fit in with your work colleagues. Yeah. So if you've got the culture right, you know, that, and the values are there, actually, we can teach them how to do the job. Yes. But you can't teach somebody how to interact with work colleagues. You can't teach somebody necessarily how to interact with the clients. Yeah. And, you know, we have made mistakes in the past. We put your hands up. You have to learn from those mistakes. But I think now that it's, for us, it's all about the values we know that we can teach the other stuff, but, you know, they can come in, they can feel comfortable from day one, and that's really yes. important to us. Yeah, brilliant. Now, you've sort of obviously mentioned a little bit about the challenges of growing the business, you know, as, as it's grown organically. But, but if we were to sort of like, you know, perhaps just put a spotlight on um, how you have got the resource on demand name out into the markets, um, so I guess just transitioning into some of some marketing conversation, um, what, what perhaps were some of the challenges that, that you faced, you know, over time, get, getting the business known in the market? So when, so when we started, uh, it was just old school, get on the phone. This yeah. is me, obviously, more than one Theresa doing the, the, the behind the scenes stuff uh, and network with very senior people within the space that you're you're niching in, uh, and and making sure that you uh, under promise and over deliver with, with the way that you deal with them, and knowing that, from my point of view at least, knowing that I'm I'm going to be around a long time in in this world in in not it's the world, so in the recruitment space, in the salesforce space, um, and understanding that that will come back one day, whether you whether you do a deal with that person straight away or not, that they'll go out there and, and, and think nice thoughts about you and hopefully that will come back. So that's the, the obvious way of doing it, but eventually you get to a point of thinking, we also need to spend some money on, on advertising and, and I think recruitment agencies and us included can fall in, into the trap of the, everything you post out there is, is job, 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 job. And after, I mean, 97%, let's say, I just made that number up, but a big percentage of the people in your niche aren't actually looking. So that they want, they'll just switch off to that. So we got to a point, I think, where Teresa was um, learning with, I think, someone we outsourced to, yeah. you know, how to how to write stuff, content for your marketplace that isn't all, I've got this job, I've got this job, I've got this job. Um, over yeah, to I mean, we started off with um, a newsletter. <laughs> yeah. That was all we had at one point, and obviously a website, which, um, again, didn't really reflect us at the beginning because it was just, you know, quickly get a website put together. Mm. Um, and we... Um, it took on a guy and it, I mean he was amazing for just getting us to realise what our potential was mm-hmm. and um, it was a case of he then decided to, to go on a different you know, path, career path mm-hmm. and I ended up being the person that was doing the marketing and, and let's face it my background is not in marketing I barely knew about Facebook in fact probably setting up a business that actually got me onto Facebook in the first place um, so everything I was just learning was literally just by looking at other people's Facebook pages and websites and, and, and sort of in a way trying to take what I could get from those and, and do it myself. And it be quick, quickly became apparent that I was really naff at my job at that point. Um, so you suddenly have to realise, do you know what, this, this is just going to go nowhere if I continue to sort of try and do it myself. Yeah. And, you know, you, you try. We tried a few companies, we tried to work with a few people, we tried to take on people internally, but because I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't even know how to even interview someone to, to be able to pull out the, you know, the questions I would need to know in order to find out if they knew what they were doing. So, um, it's again, it's been a sort of like kiss a lot of frogs, but I mean, I suppose one of the, the, the lessons I learned early was try and find recommendations, try and find referrals. And um, thankfully, I did go on a coaching course, and somebody recommended you guys. And that for us, that's been like the, I suppose, the biggest turning point when it comes to marketing, because you you actually opened our eyes to a lot of things that we weren't doing, and probably a lot of things we were doing that we just didn't need to bother with anymore. Um, I think you know newsletters, yeah, they're they're fine, but 
there's a lot of effort goes into them and probably very little people actually reading them, whereas actually we could get a wider audience if we went a bit more sort of online and, and use social media. So it's it's finding the right partner, I would say, has probably been um, you know, the best thing that we could have ever done, who we could trust that whatever advice they're giving us is the best course of action. And and as a result of that, we've then been able to go out and source uh, other things that can complement those services. So, you know, we, we've got other companies that do slightly different marketing to us that we have that sits alongside what you guys do. Yeah. But for us, it, you have to make sure that the message that you're conveying to those different partners is that the brand has to be protected. Um, it needs to be consistent. And you really absolutely need to know who your customer um uh, I suppose your customer basis so that you're actually you know sending the right messages out there but once I think that's been put into place actually all of the services kind of complement one another but yeah. you know I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear this but I mean it was you guys that actually turned that all around for us because we just knew there was a company there that could help us put the strategy in place because to be honest we didn't have one <laughs> you know what well, I can't deny that but also um Thanks to you guys, you you help us to challenge ourselves a little bit and, and work outside of our comfort zone. Because the comfort zone for me in recruitment is kind of what I just said: is you know approach people. Are you looking for a job? Kind of yeah. that's direct marketing, if you like. Um, you're making us do podcasts yeah, and making us do little videos, and um, you know occasionally write a blog of our own and things like that, which is um, you know makes you feel like oh god, I don't know how to do this. Um, you know, and I think. In the early days of having a recruitment business, specifically if you haven't gone for external investment, if it's all your own money, the return on investment for marketing it can sometimes be hard to define, especially if it's not, you know, if you, if you write an advert, put it on LinkedIn, pay the money for that, and you get a CV that comes back from that, and you make a placement nice and easy, you can track that. But I think having someone write blogs for you, having someone do podcasts with and for you, um, you don't necessarily see an immediate return on that. So you, you sometimes that can be the thing that you might drop, but I think that's that's something you just have to continually do, drip feed it, so that the, if I was correct earlier on, the 97% of people in your niche space that aren't actively looking are still engaging with what you're putting out there. Um, so that's something I would say I've definitely learned from working with you guys is just do things that are outside the comfort zone. Don't be scared to try something different. Yeah. That's great. Treasures is a isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we've um you know i guess as we've worked with you you know over the last few years um sort of you know it's it's been a journey together hasn't it and you know we've we've you know evolved the strategies that we've encouraged you to to take up but what um what would you say from a marketing point of view you know has made a real difference for you i mean certain strategies work quicker than quicker than others um but you know what what would you say you know has made the biggest impact you know recently i i would say it's probably um again thanks to you guys for giving us a bit of a kick up the bum but it's actually um following the journey of the social media platforms yeah. so it's understanding what's fashionable right now because you know go, going back a few years it was all about the newsletters fast forward a little bit and suddenly it's about facebook then then it becomes twitter then it becomes instagram and and, and so on and i think it's it's the biggest thing is just understanding what is hip right now. And that, that makes me feel really old to say those words, but it, it really is that. And I think when you're stuck in the business and you're doing the day job, you don't necessarily have your finger on the pulse of what people find fashionable. Um, whereas as marketing you know, specialists, you're always looking at what's the latest platform, what people, you know, where are people flocking to to get their news and get their information. So it really is as basic as that. It's just knowing what is fashionable right now. And for us, the podcast, the videos, totally outside our comfort zone. But that's probably been the thing that's had the biggest impact. Um, we've had, you know, lovely stories that have come back where a, a two-minute video that Lee put out there 
we've got people messaging us going, I loved your video, can we talk? I mean, that's the words that you want to hear is, can we talk? Um, because it's really hard to get people to want to talk or engage with a recruiter. Yeah. So anything that makes people go, I wanted to talk to you guys because I just loved what you put out there, you know, that's when you know that you're on the right track. Yeah. Well, that's, that's I mean, that, that is excellent because I think, you know, one of the things that people talk about is, um, you know, there is so much social media, you know, today. Um, and there's lots of different um, platforms that we, we engage with. Um, and, and everybody's wanting engagement. So, you know, to, to hear that, that that is what you're getting, that's exactly what we're looking for. So that's that's great to say that. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and so in terms of, I guess, how you now see marketing as, you know, a, a pillar of, of how you continue to, to grow um, resource on demand, um, what, what perhaps might you say to other business owners, you know, perhaps you know, in, a, in, in a similar position who are sort of thinking, well, you know, I'm not sure about marketing. Do we go internal route? Do we go outsourcing? You know, what, what words of wisdom might you have to share having gone through some of those experiences yourself? Yeah, I mean, obviously every business is, is completely different. So it's hard to sort of just answer that as a straight direct answer because yeah. what's right for our business isn't always going to be right for someone else's. Yeah. So you, you kind of, you do have to do a little bit of self-search and think, you know, do we want to have that internally? Um, do we want to have that externally? For us, I think we did try the internal route. Um, but actually that didn't work out for us because I said I'm, I'm not a marketing person so it, it would have been like the blind leading the blind um, so in that respect it, it became like a bit of a no-brainer to say do you know what we're going to invest that money um, into a company a partner that we can work with very closely so that they can understand where we're going with the company they can understand who our client base is they can understand us and our values and what was important to us um, and I just think sometimes the cost of getting it wrong, so if you do go down the internal route and, and you know, you're a bit clueless, actually that can cost you a lot more money than what it would do to go and outsource in the first place. So you have to have a way of, I suppose, in some respects, being able to mark uh, you know, or to track success. So whichever method you go down, you need to be able to have some way of tracking the success of it. Yeah. Because those lessons, if they, if they go on far too long, could be the difference between a business surviving or not yeah. um you know we're not shy about investing money and we've i think marketing for us is like it's one of the, the biggest investments of, our, of the company when when we look at all of our total running costs so it's a, a huge proportion of um you know our costs mm. but it's totally worth it because if we didn't invest that money um we would have just been bumbling along on our own trying to do it and then probably spending a huge amount of money just to get that wrong so I would I would just say to a company figure out what you need if you've got enough know-how internally then you know try the internal route but if you don't then just find a real good partner that you can work with yeah fantastic I think that's it really um, <laughs> I really think that perhaps I I haven't asked you know around business growth or around um, you know taking that marketing journey as a recruitment that that maybe you would like to add something. Um, I mean, the only thing I can think of. I mean, it's probably not marketing specific, although I suppose it it could fit into this category. Is I think. Um, when we sort of first went to our business coach one of the things they kept saying to us and we've kind of touched on it a little bit about the, you know the vision that we had for the company but we were it's taken us a few iterations to get the vision absolutely how we want it to be and you know the warm fuzzy feeling that we had at the beginning of this week you know that hasn't happened um uh you know in every instance so I think it's if you're going to step into it, you really, really have to have a clear vision of what you want your company to look like. And it's got to be aligned with you. You're the leader of the business. You're the one that people are looking to for guidance. Um, 
so you have to absolutely find a vision that is congruent with your with yourself with your own values with your own beliefs and then make sure that when you're um hiring people that you're hiring people that fit into that strategy and not taking people on board and then trying to you know fit those people into the strategy but you're hiring into your strategy yeah. and just make sure that you find people that actually can do the job a hell of a lot better than you <laughs> also the um the marketing side of things i think one of the one of the important things we went through with you guys i think it might be one of the first times we've ever met you was to um understand and do a real kind of um almost like a case study which we which you've done for us which is great uh, understand who your avatar customers are so in recruitment everyone talks about clients and candidates um in our in our industry they and in probably most industries they they can be the same person so it's um understanding who that avatar is understanding what they if they're not actively recruiting or not actually looking for work themselves what is it that they think about what is it what are their problems and what what you know what what are they reading online and what what sort of content do they want to be seeing and and, uh, and digesting and, and then and then just sort of you know writing all your social media content for that person constantly and um, that's where you guys really helped us to understand that because once I think as a business once you understand who your avatar is then 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 everything you do everything you put out there is for that person um, that was a good one for me I think yeah. learning that yeah. took a while to understand who it was though, didn't it yeah and also I suppose in, in respect to marketing is find a, a company that's prepared to challenge you <laughs> so right. push outside your comfort zone you can't just sit there and do things the old way you've got to move with the times I shall remember that when we're when we're together in a few weeks' time together as well. Yeah, well, I, I might try and make you forget that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely need somebody who's going to challenge you and push you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's you know, if you're if you're you know investing in in external expertise, then you want that expertise to be you know pushing a few buttons and and, yeah. and encouraging you to go outside your comfort zone, like you know. I remember, you know, the first time he did a, a quick video, and I know it was uncomfortable. Um, it was uncomfortable when I went in front of a camera many years ago, but you're now seeing some real benefits and responses to that, which, you know, just really excites me for you. Um, so my last my last little question really um, is this year, it's a big year for you. You're celebrating 10 years um, mm. Of resource on demand so um so how how have you been celebrating that then with with team and for yourselves as well um is that good i've forgotten we um oh no we, we we had a cake made up in the shape of rod and we had uh quite a number of celebrations um it sort of coincided with winning a few business awards so you can imagine the sort of champers flowed quite easily amongst the team um, that was another idea of uh, of yours, though, wasn't it? It, it, it? As a as a business, how often do people actually put themselves out there to try and win awards? Uh, so that that was a great tip of yours, yeah. wasn't it? And then by winning an award, you can then say you're an award winning yeah. business, and it's great. So yeah, that was a nice uh, way of celebrating. But we've also been doing um, sort of podcasts, and these are aimed at people that have been in the business as long as us. So these yeah. are the are candidates that, and clients that we would have been speaking to, like when we first set up the business. And um, we've been doing podcasts with them to to understand what their journey's been like, what their experience has been like within the ecosystem, yeah. and that seems to be going down you know an absolute storm because we've got people that are going you know what i'm just starting out my career and these podcasts are amazing because i'm just picking up uh you know real good sound bites on the things that i need to be doing to be successful so um that's like a big celebration because that's actually you know bringing our clients and our customers into enjoying that celebration with us and you know we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them so you know there's an opportunity to be able to thank them um and just you know give them that platform to be able to talk about what it's been like for them so we've done things like that and of course you, know, you do cups and things so we've got the, we've got the merch again thanks to you guys what you put us in touch with the right organization that put that, that gets some some really nice um get your logo on anything basically so we've been sending that out to people that we've known for 10 years it's almost like a thanks for being there at the beginning kind of thing really so that's, yeah, that's yeah. been quite nice yeah. um thanks for being part of the journey so oh and also we did because something we haven't mentioned and something that um probably we should have answered when you when you asked us about the culture question one of the things we we kind of took from salesforce's um their, their ethos is about put, putting back into the community and all that sort of stuff so um the company has its own foundation where we 
every year at least we do at least one thing every year that raises money for um one of the charities that that we've all agreed will be in the rod foundation and um one of the things we did this year uh, it didn't end well to be fair but because it was 10 years we thought we'd do 10 physical challenges over 10 days um and that was all for charity as well. So um, there's this stuff. Like, I think we've got Rod Bake Off coming up. So we're doing a lot more charity things this year, just to, just as in a yeah. in a, um, a way of celebrating. Uh, so it's not just been one day anniversary; it's the whole year, really. Which is it sounds like it's come like across the whole year. And I know I've sort of seen certain things. But that that was a pretty massive thing that the the, the ten challenges that you did. Um, yeah, so. it was a bit brutal. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm still suffering from that. <laughs> But totally worth it. No, it was good. Yeah, we and um, we did something else. Then we have, I can't remember. Oh, we've had people out volunteering. So there's um, a charity, a wonderful charity, which is local. So another important thing is, um, it, it's kind of taking care of the community that you're working in. So other than sort of yeah. volunteering uh, winter shelter for the homeless, we've had girls out um, from the office that have gone out and volunteered at We Are Beans, which is a charity um, for children with disabilities um, and you know an opportunity for their families to come along and have some fun time. We've also um, you know sponsored a child, so education is you know, at the end of the day uh, probably more underfunded than it should be. And you know when you hear about your local school who can't afford exercise books for all of the children that kind of you know that that it makes you feel really sad that children are growing up in this country with you know the, the amount of wealth that goes around and you you've got a school that can't afford books for their children so we've gone ahead and even though we don't have children contacted the local school and sponsored a child to to provide their books for the year um so it's just little things like that really um and it, it's probably the biggest thing that gets people coming to us and they want to work for us is because of that other side of the business which is all about putting back into the community yeah and and, and i think it's a real testament to you know that the, the kind of business and the culture that that you guys have, have built really um so I'm really mindful of, of time. Um, really appreciate you taking time to to share your story, to talk about Rod, and you know some of the amazing things that you are doing today and the journey that you've been on, um, and also to just you know, share some of your experiences as well about um, how marketing has played a part um, of, of that of that journey for you. So. Thank you both so much. Really appreciate your time. Looking forward to seeing you um, in the next few weeks. I think it's not long. It's amazing how it's come around. And um, and, and have a great rest of the day. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Been brilliant. Thanks for all your help. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> By the way, they're amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.